Hello and welcome to another episode of Game Till 5. My name is Steph and I am joined as always by my lovely co-host Nikki. Hello Nikki. Well hello there. I'm in a very excitable mood today because Mass Effect came out. Yes, I literally just bought it. (laughs) That's why we're late to recording this episode, but you don't (laughs) need to know that, but now you do. It was a lot of palaver, but we got it for her and that's the main thing. Yes, so... Obviously, we are here to record an episode about Mass Effect because it has released today of the day that we're recording this. It's not going to be coming out on the day because it's already happened and we're in the future. But anyway, we're going to talk about Mass Effect. We both adore this game. Yeah, I'm very excited because it was kind of one of those last minute planning things, but probably the closest to an event that we've ever been. 100% yeah like I know it's not going to come out around that time but because we're not that organized Jesus Christ you know if if we ever actually release an episode on the day within a day of something happening I mean or before just before the event happened that's not going to be us guys that's probably going to be like some sort of robot clones of us so don't trust them (laughs) they've taken over our bodies taken over our podcast I don't know why that's what they choose to do with our bodies, but it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate that they're, you know, helping us out, but also <laughs> imposters. Yeah, sus. Anyway, we don't have any news today. No. Um, but how are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I think I'm carrying through on the fact that it's Mass Effect today. Um, it's gone pretty miserable again. Some weather comments. Been through weather. <laughs> oh, been through how I weather. am. Yes, great to the weather. Uh, I think that's it. I I tell you, like I know we're kind of allowed out now, but my my responses and my feelings of what I've done is still I'm fine. What's going on out the window? That's that's it. That's standard me at the moment. That's fair. It's going to take a really long time to get out of that. Um, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, life is busy again, but it's all right. Good. (laughs) That's all I've got to say. We have really become interesting people over this lockdown. Oh, we're fucking fascinating. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I can totally understand why you're all still here. Riveting. Riveting hosts. They probably have learned at this point to skip over the intro until they hear the uh, top five drop, to be fair. That's true. That's why it's there. Yeah. Anyway. I could mark it. Um, right. I don't think we've got... Like, we've got no news. We've been over the non-existent weather and the non-existent feelings of today. So should we just guess... start the episode early? Yeah, I mean, before we go into our little drop, we'll we'll, we'll preface this now by saying that um, you've seen the title of the episode. The episode is called our uh, top five non-squad member characters in Mass Effect. So we're going to be talking about the characters that you can't have in your squad, um, the ones that, you know, you do shit with and you fight with and everything. Everyone else in the Mass Effect universe, which is a very big universe. We wanted to do it like this just because we feel like we have spoken about a lot of the squad members over and over again, sometimes romantically, sometimes not. Um, not pointing any fingers at any names or anything like that. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, I'm guilty of it too, obviously, with uh, with my love. But yeah um yeah it's it's a good one I think it's a really interesting one because I think it makes you think further than just those kind of main starring characters and and sort of to the wider realm so I'm excited for it yeah it should be a good one like you said we we have covered a lot of the the main areas of of Mass Effect before um and the game in general so we wanted to talk about it in a way that we could and didn't feel like it was going to be super boring but uh I feel like 
there's a possibility for crossovers this week. I'm not going to lie. I've got some crossover sense tingling. Uh, So if that does happen, you will hear this gentleman. Oh! Locked in the cupboard of the Normandy as we speak, he will arise when we've had a, uh, a crossover of a character. Yeah. So yeah. Let's, without further ado, let's let's head on into into space. What are you buying? How about a game of lucky hit? A three-headed monkey. Let's go. Steph is laughing at me, but I know she truly appreciates how into this I'm getting. Honestly, it just caught me off guard and I loved it. <laughs> I mean, I like, was super into it. Behind the scenes, I don't know if Steph is still doing it, but I'm listening to like Normandy space music while we while we do this. And hopefully we might have it going on in the background of the episode. I don't know. But either way, like I feel like I'm in my own little spaceship. So I'm like really trying to, you know, be in character right now. Oh, no, I'm fully like picturing myself looking at the galaxy map of the normandy and just being like where am i gonna go today on my adventure you know that's where i'm at right now so i'm with you i'm with you on the normandy traveling the beautiful space (laughs) we've gone through the through the relay and on to our wonderful worlds and the interesting thing about this top five is like we could I mean, I, I think personally we should envision this like these are the people that we're going to have on our spaceship, um, our top mm. five people that we're bringing with us. And I know my ensemble of people is going to be a fucking hoot. Oh, that's exciting. I didn't really think about the fact that they would end up being on my ship. I, I feel didn't like, until right uh, now. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to have a mixed bag. But I think okay. at the end of the day, we all get drunk. It's going to be a, it's going to be a great time. As we know, yeah. Mass Effect parties from our favorite Mass Effect DLC, The Citadel. It's yes. the time. Yes, I'm very excited to be able to replay all of this soon and uh, experience the joys all over again. But for now, we're going to sit here and we're going to plan our Normandy party with our top five non-squad characters. All right, so am I going first this week? Yes. All right, so my number five non-squad character from Mass Effect that's coming with me on our space adventure is uh, Kaylin, the Elcor ambassador. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, this is probably one of the most uh, minor characters that I've managed to squeeze in here from mm-hmm. our from our Mass Effect, but uh, that's what I'm going with. I had to I had to try and mention an Elcor. That was my goal. I wanted to talk about the Elcor because they're my favorite. Um, so so Kaylin is the uh, main Elcor ambassador in the Citadel. Uh, you first meet this Elcor when you do a mission, and I'm pretty sure it's in Mass Effect One. Uh, it's mostly like a politics mission. There's quite a few missions in the first game where you're just kind of running around doing stuff on the Citadel for people and trying to keep peace um, amongst everybody. And this is one of them. And there is a another Elcor who's who's spreading some goss. It's a very gossipy Elcor and he's going around spreading some bad gossip. And you basically have to go and convince him to tell the truth and say like, hey, you know what you're saying is not it's not real, right? And he's like, yeah, okay, sure. But in the more Elcor way. I think mm-hmm. um, for me, this was my first intro into what the Elcor were, because I think this is the first time you kind of meet them. And they're just, if there's anything I can say about the way that they speak is just, it's, I wish we could do it in humans. 
I think it communicates a lot. So basically, the way that the Elkor speak, if you've never heard them, they essentially describe what they're going to say to you. So they'll be like, uh, genuine intrigue, and then ask you a question. Elation. Yeah, and then say something really happy. They'll just describe what it is they're about to say. But they don't sound happy. That's what I love about them, is they'll be like, joy. But it doesn't. it really does not sound happy no it's like the most monotone voice you've ever heard um and actually <laughs> one of the um the El this elcor in particular explains why that they communicate the way that they do and why they say everything and it turns out that they basically them as a species communicate mostly through scent and small movements which i found quite funny because they're huge right. weird elephant like creatures so small yes. movements is a bit weird for these guys um and that's their general communication and then since coming to the Citadel and meeting loads of different aliens, they've decided that they need to communicate through speech. But they were like, people don't seem to understand us when we're being like funny or serious or anything because their voices are so monotone. So they were like, so we've decided we just add on extra text for you guys so you know what's going on. I love it. I love right. it. I love them in general. And now you've mentioned that one, I did have to have a little Google and find them. And I definitely remember them because I think it potentially is the first Elcor that you come across. Mm. I, I'm pretty sure it is because it's also... So part of the reason I like this Elcor as well is that um, he's in an embassy office with a Volus and it's like the first time that you meet the Volus ambassador. Yeah. The Volus ambassador is a bit of a dick. He's a bit of a mole, mole man, the Volus is. Mm -hmm. um, they don't really like you. And he's a bit like, oh, why are you talking to this human? Like, they don't understand us. It's not, they don't care about us. And um, Kaylin's more accepting. He's more like, oh, I know, I like the I like the humans. I'm super happy that they've, they've come to see me. And he wants to, like, share more stuff. And he actually, like, jabs at the small um, Volus guy for having a go at you. He's like, that's not very nice. And things like this, and he's basically just like mocks him. He's like, "You have to be nicer to these humans, damn you!" So I just—it's kind of one of the first times you meet aliens who don't hate you in this game, because I feel like otherwise you're talking to the council a lot, who are made up of other species, and they're a little bit standoffish against the humans most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, and this is one of the first ones you meet that's a bit more like, "Oh no, this is cool. I'm happy to meet yeah. a human." Mostly because he says like, "Joy." I'm happy to meet you, human. Yeah, he is really sweet, but sassy, and and I agree. Like their dialogue is hilarious. It is, it's just yeah, fantastic. So no, good pick. I'm not surprised it's an alien. Your first pick is an alien. I mean, at least I didn't say I want to bang it. Like, <laughs> well, you just did. But um, bets are out. I personally think that a lot of yours will be will be aliens. Oh, interesting. I am neither going to confirm nor deny that my list is mostly alien-based. Uh, yeah. But I do have some facts about uh, about the Elcor in general. I couldn't find anything about Kaelin specifically. Um, but I found some stuff, a couple about the Elcor. Um, one is which apparently the Elcor won Best New Species of the Year from Xbox <laughs> Magazine when this game came out. Aww. I'm now like, I wish that that was a, a genuine running like award show. That but would be amazing. I don't know if it exists past whenever the Xbox magazine died. But um, yeah, they won Best New Species because they're fantastic. And then the only other fact I had about them was... So during during your time, I think in Mass Effect 2, there's a, there's a couple adverts when you're running around the Citadel and stuff. One of them is always talking about 
the Elcors doing Hamlet, the Shakespeare play, which yes. is just my favorite thing to imagine. Um, and it basically, you just hear this line going on about like saying, you have not experienced Shakespeare until you've heard it in the voice of an Elcor. Um, but apparently that's from uh, Star Trek, Star Trek Six, the movie, where oh, apparently cool. somebody says, you haven't experienced Shakespeare until you've heard it in the original Klingon, which I found quite nice. funny. Um, and I'm a big Star Trek person. And I like there's a lot of crossovers between Mass Effect and Star Trek. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of it with Kaylin. He was I've a actually, short, I've minor got, character. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I've actually got a fact about Malcolm. Because I was looking at Kaylin and I, I found a fact. I'm sorry, but I really want to talk about it. I don't think it will mean much to you, but I, it's really meant a lot to me, which is mostly just on Elcor, which is apparently the Elcor speech pattern with like the joy, sadness bit is a subtle reference to HK47 from Star Wars Knights of the Republic, um, in which the really angry robot would often state like how he felt as well um which makes sense which makes sense but i just saw that and i just wanted to mention it because it made me happy oh nice well i'm glad you found one for me yeah i appreciate it <laughs> i'm making up for last time no, I like yeah. no facts. go from no facts to every single fact where you're coming <laughs> Take, on, you're on my facts. facts you have a fact you have a fact like the Everyone oprah facts fact. <laughs> that's my new name <laughs> fact oprah yeah Nice, I like it. Um, yeah, so that's my number five. We'll keep it pretty pretty short and sweet there for, for Kaylin the Elcor. Okay, cool. So my number five yes. um, is somebody who I would be very happy to see and that very much grew on me, although I maybe didn't like them that much in the first place. And that is Dr. Karin Shakwa. I think that's how you say it. Oh! Name. Do you remember Dr. Shakwa's? Shakwa's? Shakwa? Oh, <laughs> okay. Hello, Beetle. Yeah, you have stolen my number three here. I really like wow. Karen, Karen Shakwa's. She means a lot to me, so don't do fuck it up. Do you think it's Karen or Karen? I don't think she's I, a Karen. Yeah, it is like, but kind of like Karen. I think it's Karen. Karen. Yeah. Karen. We can anyway. Call her Karen, it's fine. I like to call her Dr. Sh is it Shakwa? Shakwa? <laughs> we don't even know how to say her name. Sh Shakwa's. I don't know. They say it so well in the game, and I say it, and I just fuck it up. I thought um, anyways, was, I don't know. Shakwas. Well, we'll go. We'll go with it anyway. Doctor Shakwas is the human doctor of the SSB Normandy. Um, she is somebody that you come across very early in the game because obviously she's the ship doctor. The clue is in the the doctor there. Um, she apparently enlisted in the Alliance soon after she graduated from medical school, seeking an exotic adventure, um, though she did realise it wasn't as romantic as she imagined it to be. However, she stayed with the Alliance in order to do her duty and serve humanity. Um, so yeah, you come across her in the beginning and she's really cool and you sit down and you have a little chat and she's just always there and she's always patching you up and that's a really that's a really cool thing to have and something that I really enjoyed in the first game where it actually felt like the people on the ship that aren't necessarily your squad really felt like it felt really realistic because you mm. could chat with them. They may not have been coming out and doing the action, but they were still there and they were like an integral part of the ship. So being able to get to know them and, and go talk to them whenever you're off a mission was, was really cool. Um, so she was amazing in the first game. And then actually in the second game, this may not mean a lot to a lot of you that actually, no, that's a lie. If you're, if you're listening to this, you must know something about Mass Effect. If you don't know anything about Mass Effect, um, there is in the second game, there's some people called Cerberus that they're, they're meant to not be very nice, but they're all right in the end. But anyway, 
you end up joining them, but Shackles comes with you. And which was something that I thought was really cool because a lot of people kind of left you in the lurch a little bit, but Shackles was kind of like, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go wherever she goes or he goes. And when you do eventually talk to her, she kind of explains to you that she's not working for them. She's working for you. She doesn't really give a fuck about Cerberus, but she's like, if, if it helps you and it helps the fight against the bad guys, like I'm, I'm here, which I had so much respect for her when that happened. I was just like, you're a badass lady that, you know, you're looking at the bigger picture here. So I, I obviously I want to hear your, I've got some more stuff to say, but I want to hear your thoughts on, on Dr. Shakwa. Okay. <laughs> I love the way that you say her name. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm French. Shakwa. Um, yeah, no, exactly. That, those kind of points with her being probably one of the most loyal members of your crew. Like when you get those people on your crew uh, that are really like there the whole time and she is just one of those people, it feels really special. I really like her. She was quite high up on my list just simply because of the reason that she like is not only bad badass and kind of follows you around and stuff like that, but she's also such a like mate to you while you're on there like yeah. there's if you go and talk to her quite a lot you can end up having like a drink with her and stuff um off ship and i think there's in a case where you have one on ship as well with her like she's always drinking whiskey and talking to you which i just really enjoy um and i i also one of my main points for her was the fact that she is a an older woman and she gets mm -hmm. older through the series as well and she's one of when i when i think about games and stuff and the representation of like older women it's not as as common as my brain wants me to think it is you know what i mean like aside from old evil witches or crones i don't know that many like old older women that you I, get i admit that i had a few that came to my mind but i think they were all bioware the ones that i sort of thought mm. oh you know that and i i think potentially bioware are quite good at representing that age group in regards to being badasses as well and i'm not just meaning like an old grandma sat in a chair like people yeah. that are doing shit that are a bit older yeah just like normal other crew members like you said not just grannies mm. making you soup and like I, I think of i think of win from dragon age she was an older lady and she was a maid and she was in your team and she was awesome oh and awesome so you know like and she kind of reminds me a little bit of, of shakwa and uh yeah like i know what you mean yeah um, and like, and she also, like, we're going back to her being quite badass as well. She survives uh, a lot. Like, she goes through quite a lot with you. There's some stuff that happens without spoiling it too much and stuff. Um, and I think she could be like one of the only surviving people. And she just kind of takes it quite well. I think she's quite mm. angry if you if you don't do some like help other people fast enough. But the fact that she then returns to your ship and is like, yeah, sure, I'll be, I'll help you out. It's all yeah, good. I, I accidentally killed her in one playthrough, I think. Oh. Um, I had a really bad playthrough where... Uh, she murdered everybody. She yeah. yeah fair. I don't think she did anyway. I think you definitely can kill her, I, I think. I... Uh, yeah. It may be a different mission, because I know this one you definitely can't. Like, she's the only one who will survive right. take a long time. Well, there must have been a lot of casualties. Maybe I just don't remember. But we'll talk about that later, because we don't want to give any spoilers away. But... Um, yeah, I was going to mention something you just touched on, which was the whole um, the bottle of whiskey thing. Um, yeah. Oh no, brandy. So it was Ceres ice brandy. Um, oh, she basically brandy. asks you um, if you could go get her one because she lost her one on the Normandy when it when it crashed. Um, and so you you go and get the bottle, 
And she's like, come have a drink with me. And I mean, that's one of the coolest things that you can do. You're just like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna have a drink with you. Um, and you you get a bit drunk and she gets very, very drunk. And she actually does, she does kind of give you another reason as to why she joined Cerberus. Um, and that was actually because of Joker, because we'll get onto him probably maybe at some point to chat about, he might be related to some of the things I'm gonna discuss later, who is the, sh- the pilot of the ship. Um, and he has like Vrolic syndrome. So he struggles to sort of move around and things. And she basically admits that she came on to make sure that he's looked after which again such a sweet thing yeah um and yeah i think then like she passes out which is quite funny um and then i think you do it like she asked you if you want to do it like every year she's i think she asked shepherd to make you a promise that you'll share that bottle and that's such a sweet thing that happens and i think you do which is amazing and it's a really nice follow free because it just it feels like she's a friend as you said it feels like she's just a mate and she's going to have your back no matter what, which is a really awesome, an awesome character to have, especially a character that's not necessarily a companion, a school member or a romantic partner. It's one of the reasons I think Mass Effect is so amazing in it and, and Bioware in general for, for creating the world of Mass Effect. Yeah, Mass Effect does this a lot where it gives you a character and rounds them out completely and will make you their mate. But actually, really, they're just an NPC. And they could have just yeah. made it just like, ah, go see the doctor. And maybe they've got two, three lines. But no, like you said, yeah. you've got missions with them. You have cutscenes that are just kind of like extra, almost just like flavor text to the people, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I love this person. I had this person up at number three. So yeah. Do you have any facts? I do. I do. Um, Caroline Seymour has actually done a lot of additional voices for Bioware. Um, it, mm-hmm. She did a lot for the Old Republic and Dragon Age Origins. I, however, didn't really find anyone like notable enough to sort of be like, oh yeah, she was this person. It was just sort of like random NPCs and things. But she's obviously worked with them before. Um, there's another fact as well about her accent. Apparently, she reminds many people of the actress Dame Helen Mirren, and her voice is quite oh, similar. Yeah, she totally does. She sounds a lot like Helen Mirren. The hair as well, I can see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I thought that was cool. Um, also, apparently, her name was created as an anagram of Hacksaw to evoke the image of an old-timey sawbone field surgeon. We I love had a that name one. fact. Did uh, you? Yeah, yeah, I had that fact. Again, yeah. we love a name fact, so of course, we, like, we, we had the name facts. You got any more? No, that's it. You said my ones. It was um, oh. Carolyn Seymour and the the Hacksaw. There Hacksaw wasn't that many. It's it's hard to get facts on some NPCs like this because obviously, like, there's they're not like the starring roles. So I feel like facts are limited. Yeah, which we might find, but yeah. Anyway, cool. Sorry nice. about your uh, steal there. That's all right. I'm gonna have to try and find somebody to throw in the middle there, but uh, that's okay. I do have number four though. Mm-hmm. Um, so my number four, and this is going to be one of these ones where I can't say it properly, but my number four is Matriarch Benazit. No. I just thought it was Benizia. Benizia? Benizia? Yeah, Benizia works. I'll go with Benizia. Yeah, I thought it was Benizia. There we go. Benizia. Uh, Matriarch Benizia. Um, she is a, uh, very powerful, um, Asari. Um, and actually the spiritual leader among her people. Um, in the first game. She's also one of your companions, your squad mates, mother, Liara Tassoni, another Asari that you have. Yes. Um, however, the two are not 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 on great terms in, in terms of this uh terms of this game. There's a lot of unspoken stuff about about her. Um I was trying to remember like if you ever really get into it in the first game about uh like her relationship with her mother, but I don't really feel like you do. It's kind of hinted at and spoken a little bit about 
But I think most of the backstory and most of the description around it comes in the two later games, for sure, mm-hmm. and some of the expanded stuff. Um, yeah. But you just know that they've not really spoken and they're not on, not on good terms. Um, and essentially, she, without... It's, it's kind of one of those... Diff- she's going to be one of those difficult people to talk to without being too spoilery, but she's not presented in the best way. She's not doing the best stuff. She's not making the best choices in this game, and let's put it that way. Um, and it kind of comes out that she's helping... Uh, one of the the main baddies in the first game Um, and she's kind of working with him which everyone's a bit surprised about because it's not very like her to be doing any of this stuff or um, working alongside anybody like this like she's always been she's the spiritual leader of like all of the Asari um, which is a pretty big and you know sturdy job I find the Asari like quite a fascinating uh I guess group like social group and things like that um because they've got quite a lot of it's there's a lot of lore around the asari i think more than some of the other um more than some of the other aliens i think yeah they're very interesting yeah i think in terms of like social structure at least um they kind of get into it um and one of which is kind of like a half fact i found out about her with um with uh liara so her being liara's mother is quite normal but apparently it's quite rare because benizia mated with another asari so liara is a like full-blood asari which is apparently frowned upon in their society which again is like a weird fact Wait, so what, thing. what would the other ones be then if they're not so apparently they say if they can apparently they discovered that they could mate with other species and the asari consider that much better because they're kind of like getting more interesting blood and more interesting cultural stuff. I'm sure it wouldn't look like an Asari, though. I can't remember any of this. No, apparently that's normal. Asaris will come out looking like Asaris most of the time. Um, but yeah, they ha- you te- they tend to always meet like mate with non-Asaris. They'll mate with like humans or other species and stuff like that. It's weirder apparently for them to mate with like ah. one Asari to mate with another Asari. Um, they find it. They say cool. that it was wasteful. It's like nothing gained from having a pure blood Asari, which is uh-huh. like a cool, like opposite to, I don't know, racism, which is which is fun. Um, yeah, and like you know, with things like royalty in the past, where they were like, oh, it must stay in the bloodlines. It must be pure. Like when actually, no, it's like that's a bit gross. Exactly, it's that kind of like real twisted view on on that kind of stuff, um, and especially her being kind of ascended to the the level that she gets to it's kind of a weird thing i think um you don't know who who that that other asari is for a really long time uh until you get to mass effect 2 and then you start to find out some more about um who that person is um Mm. and it becomes a part more a part of liara's further story which is what i kind of mean about i really like uh benizia as a character but you don't learn a lot about her in the first game you kind of yeah. tend to learn more about her in the in the like later on things. Um, she's I want to she's kind of an antagonist for the first game, um, but I think she's just quite a cool. She's one of those characters you kind of understand where she's coming from eventually after you speak to her. Um, you kind of have a big fight eventually with her, um, and she kind of explains a lot of stuff, and you find out more about why she's been doing some of the things that she's doing. Um, and you, again, you kind of slightly relate and you kind of understand and she gives you some... I feel like she's quite an important character for the Mass Effect series in terms of like foreshadowing where the rest of the series is going. 
for me. Yeah. It's again, it's difficult to talk about her without I wouldn't, spoiling I wouldn't all of the things. I wouldn't worry too much about um about spoilers. I think most people who are listening to probably probably played it. Um most people. If you if you don't want spoilers then then, then skip the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, just, I don't know. Don't listen to this. I mean if we're gonna make a rule to not talk about spoilers, I can explain her much better but yeah um, fuck it do it go for it if you yeah. don't want spoilers back out now <laughs> just leave please leave um no so essentially you find out that she's working with saren who's the main kind of baddie of the game um but you find out actually she's been indoctrinated this whole time eventually when it kind of comes to a head and you meet her and she's actually been controlled by saren um who is himself being controlled by other people but it kind of all comes together when it's like, oh, she's she's not evil. She might be quite a hard mother to Liara, but she's not evil. She's not doing anything about this out of her own thing. And then when you start talking to her, when she's suddenly kind of almost breaks out of her indoctrinated state, she kind of starts describing how horrible it is. And it's a really nice kind of setup for where the rest of the series is going and for, for the main plan of like the big evils mm-hmm. that appear, you know, in, around the towards the end of the first game. It, it, I think it just is a nice setup for it going, but I think you fight her not not that far into the game, actually, because it's around the Rachni Queen stuff. Yeah. I feel like that's like in the middle of the first one. So you kind of yeah. pass her quite early, but she's quite an important little plot point and foreshadowing person for her. She's cool. I love, I've always liked the way that she looks um, as well. I think she looks like quite a badass Asari. Yeah, she's got a cool hat. Um, yeah. She's also apparently like a million years old. Yes. And I'm not exaggerating, she's like a billion. <laughs> <laughs> That's just she how old the Asari live for. She old as fuck. But I feel like quite wise. She's quite wise, yeah. but a bit of a rebel with the whole like mating with other Asari and all that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, she's she's one of these characters that her herself doesn't get much representation, but there's a lot of backstory that you learn about her um, in the aftermath that makes her a, a cooler character. Yeah, she's very important. Yes. Yes. She's an important person. Yeah, it's quite a difficult one to talk about, I think, without explaining the whole of Mass Effect, but hey, there we go. That's okay. You did good. Thanks. <laughs> um, I've got two facts. Um, mm-hmm. Not crazy facts. One one is a weird fact that I found, that apparently her favourite colour is yellow. Oh, amazing. How does anyone know that? I think there's a line in it which says, like Liara says, is because she loves wearing that colour. Right. But that's it. It's like literally the only line. She likes yellow. Her favorite color is yellow. She never wears it when you're beating her up, but apparently she looks fabulous in it. And my other fact is that she is voiced um, by Maruna Skirtis, which is, is the counselor Deanna Troy in Star Trek Next Generation. So I've oh. got two Star Trek facts going nice. on in my uh, in my list this, this week. Um, yeah. Who I really love. She's got a lovely voice and I love counselor Troy. So... It's all nice. good stuff. But yeah, that's my number four. I'll stop playing okay. on now. Cool. I'm glad that we didn't get another crossover. I was getting, I was starting to get a little bit worried. Mm, yeah, I'm <clears> slightly <throat> worried the rest of this list is going to be difficult to do, but... I don't know if you'll have this one. I've got a bit of a weird one, to be honest. And I, can't right. really, I, I don't feel like I'm going to explain why I've, I've picked this person. But my number four is Admiral Stephen Hackett. Oh, interesting. I don't have this one, and I'm really... I forgot about Hackett. How could you? 
He's a lovely man. So Admiral Stephen Hackett is a top-ranking official, the Alliance Navy and commanding officer of the Fifth Fleet. And he's based at Arturo Station. If you've forgotten who he is, by the way, his voice is like the voice that you hear continuously when you're doing shit, either with planets, especially in the third one where you're doing all that like mission shit. He's always like the narrating soldiery guy. Um, he he's very very cool. Like he's kind of on the same political status. Um, with Ambassador Udina and Captain Anderson, um, obviously he's a very he's a very professional guy. Like he's got a lot of professionalism about him, um, and he's one of the three officers who recommends Commander Shepard at the first human spectre, where like basically everyone's against you, and he is like one hundred percent recommending you. He's a really really sweet guy. And he seems to back you from the very beginning as well. Um, he's He constantly sort of contacts Shepard with key assignments, especially those vitals to system aligned security. And is, is generally more accepting of your decisions than that motherfucker, Udina. Oh, Udina. He, um, he, he's always somebody that can give a really good, like, pep talk about you. Like, he's so nice. Like, I've even got a quote here of something he said to Shepard. And it's just really sweet. And it just gives a general overview. So I'm going to read it. Um, not going to do it in a Hackett voice or anything. Oh, I'm just going <laughs> to... I wouldn't even know how. He's got a very good voice. Um, so he says, When you went up against Sovereign, there was no good reason to believe you'd win. But your crew didn't seem to care. They went along anyway. Your trip through the Omega-4 relay, that was a suicide mission if there ever was one. Yet yeah, there your crew was, standing beside you, proud to serve. Why? Because they believed in you, their leader. And that's what I need now. Where we're taking them as likely to get pretty hairy. And I know you're the one who will get us to the other side. He's very sweet and he gives an amazing pep talk. And he's like mm. really into you and your crew. And he's always believed in you. And he's just a lovely old man. I, I'm having flashbacks. I know who he is now. It took me a, yeah. it took me a while to remember. But as soon as you said the name, I was like, oh my God, Hackett. Yes, of course. Like you he's said, like he is- He's like Admiral Stephen Hackett here. And yeah. he's always like doing shit. The one true believer of you and your crew. Yeah. And he doesn't have like a prominent kind of thing constantly like Udina and Captain Anderson. But like, mm. as I said, he's just one of those people where like, I remembered if I ever like bumped into him anywhere or he ever like popped up on any of like the, the video things, I always knew that he was like gonna be there for me or like gonna be on your side. You know, it's like a it's like a, a hap someone that you're happy to sort of see. And like when I, you know, it's like it's like when I was thinking about playing the game today, hopefully it will download in time for me. Um, I was like, you just like a, a kind face, you know, and, and I, yeah. I think that's really important when you're playing a game where like Especially, it does sometimes feel like the whole world is against you. Yeah, especially towards the kind of earlier parts where you're dealing with all of the stuff um, with the council. Mm -hmm. And they are really like just against whatever it is you're trying to do. Um, and that kind of continues into the start of the second one as well. But yeah, you're right. He just kind of is constantly your little your little cheerleader. It's like, it's fine. Yeah. Just screw it. We'll do it anyway. And then we'll work it out later if you, if you say so. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. Um, I've got a couple of facts. One of my facts, actually, I just found, um, which I saw because I was looking at a picture of him and apparently there's a theory going around that that Hackett and Zaid, and whoever Zaid is, one of the characters from one of the DLCs, um, I think potentially Mass Effect 2, are brothers. But I think the only reason people are thinking that is because their face model is very similar. Right. I think that's why. I don't know if the actual I couldn't find anything. Um, and and while I was looking at that, I also found out that people were theorizing that Admiral Hackett is named after Steve Hackett, the former guitarist from Genesis. Obviously, this fact <gasps> is going to pique my liking. Oh yeah. Um, 
a lot of people are like, oh, this is a stretch, you know, I don't think so. But then someone's like, sorry, I'm totally just like on Reddit right now. Um, someone's like, Admiral Stephen Hackett of the Fifth Fleet. Steve Hackett's most well-known guitar solo is the fifth, the Firth of the Fifth. It's not a mere coincidence. The creator, one of the creators Ooh. is a fan. Um, and so a lot of people are like, yeah, no, I, I think it 100% is um, due to that like solo thing. Cause he's like, the, he's like, has, he's the Admiral of the Fifth Fleet. So therefore it must be him. I don't know, it might be a bit of a stretch, but I thought it was a cool fact. That's anyway, um, the funny thing I was saying about him popping up on computers and stuff was that Admiral Hackett is not actually physically seen until Mass Effect 2 DLC arrival. So you don't yeah. actually see him. You only see like the video yeah. things of him. The, I can't remember what they're called. Like the hologram kind of thing of him. Yeah. Um, I was going to say on the phone, but it's not really a phone, is it? Yeah, I know what you mean though. It's like, but it it's like whatever Mass Effect decides was, was the phone. That's what it is. I, if I was like indie playing this game right now, I'd know 100% the terminology, but I've, I've been waiting for this day yep. to play it. So I, the, it's like a hologram. Um, uh, one of my one of my favorite facts is the fact that he's he's voiced by the actor Lance Henriksen, who is such a wonderful man. He's obviously quite an old gent. Um, he was a famous actor that was in the Alien movies. You'll remember him as Carl from Detroit Become Human. Yes, I I do know who you're talking about, <clears throat> but yeah. Yeah, I only picked that because I couldn't, I recognised him and I was like, I know this guy, I, like, I know this guy. <laughs> and I was like, why is he familiar though? And then I remembered that he was Carl, but also that they used his face. And it just, right. it didn't sort of click to me until then. Cause I was like, you know, when you see someone in the flesh and you're like, but I recognise you for something else as well. Yeah. This was Detroit. Um, Cause he's a cool old man with the tattoos. Yeah, I never would have put the two together though. Like I never would have connected yeah. him to the Mass Effect character and, and that one. I know it's weird, isn't it? When you hear the voice, you kind of, you kind of get it. Yeah. Um, but another fact to tie on to that is apparently I, I found out just by researching him that he's super nice to Mass Effect fans Aww. and the people that have met him in the flesh at comic cons and stuff so that he does quotes and says stuff like hack it out when you're done talking to him oh and he has to God. go if we ever get the opportunity to meet this man we're doing it I love him. I think he's like 90 odd, but I just adore him. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like Hackett. It's just because he just seems like a really genuinely nice old man. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's I fair. I want to give him a hug. He's a nice little ray of hope in our depressing Citadel experience, I think. Yeah. Most of the time. But yeah, like I would love to meet this man. Just to hear him be like, hack it out. That anyway. sounds amazing. I love it. Nice. It's <laughs> a, yeah, uh, a good entry. That was my four. Very cool. Um, all right. That means I'm going to have to just throw in a number three. Oh, yeah. Because Chakwa has gone. <laughs> Chakwa. Um, I am going to put in one of my... I've only got like two honourable mentions. So I'm gonna I bet this one. is going to be one of mine. And I will take the crossover <laughs> if it happens. So uh, my number three I'm going to throw in is Eve. Are you actually joking? Is it actually... Did I actually take one of your people? That's my number three. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe I've done this. It's all come full circle, hasn't it? I take your three, you take mine. This okay, was a then. beautiful thing. All right, well, we can talk about this together. I'm happy to share. I'm happy you go to share first. this with you. Um, all right, then. So so Eve, who is that, not really her name. Her real name is Erdnot Bakara. I don't want to call her. Um, because, you know, she's a Krogan. She's a Krogan shaman, but she's a female Krogan shaman, which I really enjoy because we don't really meet a lot of female Krogans uh, towards the start of the Mass Effect series. But you do meet Eve, I think, in number three. 
Is that right? Um, she is basically named Eve by Morden Solus, who is one of the best characters, uh, Solarian. Um, and she's the only survivor of a bunch of experiments done on her on a bunch of uh, Krogans in Tatanka to cure the genophage. So she is a kind of a special magey, shaman-y creature of the, the Krogans. And she's held in very high regard. Um, and I just really enjoyed her as a character. Like, the Krogans are probably my favorite, favorite aliens in Mass Effect. Yes. Uh, as much as I love an Elcor. Um, I just really enjoy the way that the Krogans behave, like their normal, really brutish ways. But I feel like Eve is one of these characters that she has that side of her, but she is also not. She's kind of like the opposite to Rex, um, uh, not Rex, and Grunt and stuff that you meet. She just feels a little bit more, she's more put together. She I does think. seem, yeah, I know what you mean. Like they, maybe the females do seem a little bit less running on, I know it's not the same because they're aliens, but like testosterone. Like they yeah. feel like they can feel a little bit, they can feel as angry, but just maybe a little bit calmer. I think that's exactly, you've nailed it there with the like whole testosterone thing. I think that's exactly what drives all Krogan. And mm. most of the time you meet them, they're male and they are really driven like that. Whereas you meet her and she's got that, like I will murder you with my small hand <laughs> kind of energy about her. Like I won't take no shit, but she's also very calm about it. And I can't, you can never see her getting to that point unless it was something really bad. Um, yeah. But yeah, she, um, she has, I found a really interesting like background thing that I'm just reading now on my, uh, um, thanks. I don't know if you want to talk about it. I, to be fair, I, I didn't write down too much, but the reason why, as we, you mentioned about the experiments, because um, I, I often got confused. I thought she was like the only female Krogan, which I wasn't the case. I think she was, she was in the experiments, and there was many other female Krogans in these experiments to basically cure the genophage, which is something that stopped all of Krogans being able to reproduce. And it wasn't because they killed all the females or anything like that. I mean, I think they did probably kill quite a few Krogans, but I think it was something to do with their genetics. And um, the experiments that had, that had Eve in were basically allowing her to be able to reproduce. So there were many other females, but I think they'd all been murdered in, in these, uh, like the ones that she was with. So she was the only surviving experiment left. Um, so she was like very much treated as like, precious cargo from what i remember and you had to kind of help her help her get somewhere and um and obviously and without you know spoiling it she's she's kind of the answer to all of the um krogan's issues i mean that's that's off the top of my head to be honest i didn't have too much there yeah no that's kind of what i remember her being um is just this this single kind of special character and and the way that like rex when he kind of come back and he's with her a lot of the time and he's very protective over her yeah. even though she doesn't need it, it he's still around her because because of what she means in that sense and like Morden especially because obviously Morden being Solarian so Solarians caused the initial genophage and Morden's quite like trying to help her a lot of the time and they get quite a cute bond as well um, and she just seems like well looked after for a lady who doesn't seem to need to be looked after yeah. but yeah 
I think one of the reasons why I absolutely adored Eve was just because she, well, for one, we hadn't seen, she was the first female Krogan that Eve ever come across. Mm. And so me, I was like, whoa, holy shit, like, this is insane. Like, where the fuck have all the other ones been? I mean, that's just, that's, that's a whole separate thing of, like, why did we not really see any female Turians either? Like, it was a very... I don't know, Mass Effect, I think, did something a little bit strange in the beginning, and I know that they corrected it, but it was a little bit odd. But anyway, when I saw her, I was like, she's a badass, she's amazing. Um, and I just loved her general personality of just that thing of, like, she, you know, she could be quite distrusting of you in the beginning, but I think that's absolutely fair. But the relationship then you kind of have with her after that is really sweet. And I've got here about like, if you if Shepard is male, then Eve will say that she's only met a few humans in her time, that she's glad of the opportunity to speak with them. But if you're female, she says that she is glad that humans treat their women with respect as they have placed a larger responsibility on her than suggest that the two of them show the men how it's done, to which Shepard <laughs> agrees. Um, and I just think that it's quite sweet. And obviously me playing as a female Shepard, it was quite nice to to be able to have a, a cool little like bond with, with the female Krogan like that. And yeah, she's just a badass woman, like badass Krogan lady. And I just, there's nothing not to like about her really. Yeah, no, I'm I'm completely with you. She's she's one of, one of my favorite people around, um, just because I love the Krogans. Yeah. She has such good energy. About she her. does have good energy, yeah. Um, apparently, I did. I, I found this out, and I wanted to ask you about this because I couldn't quite remember. But apparently, she's constantly um trying to badger Morden into singing for her, and that Grumpily asserts that Morden's habit of vocalizing thoughts is distressing to hear. Um, Morden apparently tries to sort that out, but then Eve says, "Nah, it's shit." But then Morden apparently tries setting her up with Garrus, but she's not interested. And I don't know whether or not it was like a setup romantically or not. And I was like, "Oh, I can't Ooh, remember this." I don't but remember this. Apparently, yeah, Morden tries to set her up with Garrus and he was like and she you know she was like nah oh that's I, I interesting I mean I'm always with Garrus so I feel like I would have been a bit offended if I'd heard that but um yeah maybe that's why you didn't get that opportunity to maybe, hear that maybe but that does that is uh that is probably something that happens because they do like her and Morden have a little bit like quite a lot of back and forth because he, he ends up staying in like a certain spot with her for a while I think in number three um, they're kind of not it, I, can't, I don't think it's the citadel at that point I think it's just like another mm. area but he's got his little like uh, space desk and I think over the other side of the block is her little desk that she's sat in um, yeah. so yeah they're, they're quite well connected which is which is cute um, I've just read um, a bit on the citadel which is our favourite DLC that apparently she mm-hmm. um, she gets mentioned again by Rex so apparently you meet um, you meet Rex at the bar and he he's complaining about the fact that he's now being hounded by every female in in Tachanka. So there are more females. Um, yes. And that he's yeah. a bit like, oh, I can't be bothered. I'm an old man. And Eve's apparently encouraging it and being like, no, you got to do it, man. Get on with it. Which I really <laughs> enjoy because I feel like I can imagine her doing that. Being like, just go, just go mate, please. Thank you. I um yeah because I I basically I was actually reading up on this a little bit earlier to try and understand what was going on. I didn't end up really getting the answer. I just ended up getting a lot of people complaining um, because apparently in Andromeda. Now I do I do remember this to an extent. And Andromeda, the game that we don't speak of very much. <laughs> 
um, and we're not really including in this list, um, basically had loads of female Krogans and some of them were clan leaders and uh, and a lot of people weren't happy about this. There are a few people on Reddit being like, oh, this isn't right. Like, you know, we didn't see them in the other games and, you know, it doesn't make sense that females would be leaders because blah, 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 blah. Male Krogans are the best, blah, 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 blah. And some people are just like, shut up. Um, and I personally think that, I mean, Andromeda is a whole, ke a different kettle of fish. Like the world of Andromeda is going to work differently to what the previous world did. But also... You don't know how many female Krogans were on the Andromeda ship, so mm. obviously there could have been a lot. But the game, personally, I think that potentially Bioware was like, look, we maybe didn't include as many female versions of the aliens as we should have done, which is kind of what I think happened. Yeah. And I think they fixed it because, you know, I mean, they've got a female Turian companion yeah. in Andromeda and you start to see them a lot more. And to be honest with you, I mean, obviously we could get into a debate here and some people are going to be like, Nikki's shut up. But it does, it did seem like it was quite a lot of male heavily in um, dominated aliens as opposed to females. And, and I think, you know what? Fair enough. I think Bioware is, is sometimes quite good at correcting shit that they do. So yeah. Yeah, I think as well, like the years between games and stuff, there's quite a lot that happens within some of those times, some of those years mm. um, that really affects that kind of stuff. So um, there, you can definitely feel a shift, I think. Um, but like you said, it, it, they corrected, at least they attempted to correct it. Um, yeah. Which is always nice. Cool. Awesome. I am... Um... Wait, do I? I did, sorry, I'm, I've I've got. I went off into a tangent, and then I just sort of sat here, started thinking about things. I realise I don't have any. I don't have any facts. I don't have any facts either because I've just thrown this in. So, I guess we yeah. had our facts, right? She doesn't. Yeah. She doesn't need facts. She's cool. She's in. She, mentioned in things. From what I remember, she was quite hard to find facts on. So yeah, that's good. Fair. All so, right. So you now have to come up with a number three. That's fine. I was actually looking through my own mentions and I was like, there's no way that I can talk or give any justice to these people in such a short amount of time. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to slide in a funny, a funny backup, All right. which is, um, I don't know if you remember this person, but Conrad Werner. That name rings a bell. So Conrad is on the Citadel, I think in the first game, at the top of the stairs in the upper markets on the wards. Um, he is Shepard's biggest fan. Oh my god. I remember, remember him. I'm looking at a picture of him now and I'm like, oh my god. The biggest so, fan. If Shepard is courteous and agrees to give him an autograph and then a photo, Conrad eventually convinces himself that he can be a hero as well and asks Shepard to sign to sign him on as a fellow Spectre and member of the squad. Um, apparently you could charm him and convince him to stay at home with his wife, in which case he leaves quietly, thinking the thanking the command for saying him straight, or you can intimidate him. But I just remember that I think you just keep coming across him. And I think that's why he's just quite hilarious. And he ends up, I think, becoming a bit of a badass in his own right, I think. But also he's a bit of a knob. I mean, yeah, if he sat there like being like, I'm gonna leave my leave my wife. I love you. You're my favorite thing on the yeah. Citadel. But yeah, I just I, I honestly I've not I can't really even sit here and, and do the pick justice, but I just remember finding it quite funny. Um and finding the whole conversation quite funny. And the fact that it continued throughout the whole games and he was a part of a part of the series, whether he became a little bit more serious or not, like he's just quite a funny person and it's just quite a, it's a little bit of a silly gimmicky kind of 
kind of thing. Yeah, but again, it's like having that kind of almost just random NPC that you come across that Bioware puts in, but actually there's just so much there. Like, there's just a lot to enjoy about it, even though he's just a random character that you talk to and for some reason loves you. Yeah. I'm just having a look if there's any fun facts because he's a very fun... He's a very fun person, um, but it does seem like he might have left his wife and kids if you do certain choices. So that's sad. Oh, fuck's sake, fuck's sake, Conrad. Ruined it, Conrad. But yeah, anyway, it's it's just it's just yeah. It's oh, apparently thrilling. he does. He also makes apparently several in jokes about the game's mechanics um, in Mass Effect Three, which is quite funny. So yeah, he's a silly character. Couldn't be bothered to put a serious character in here. So I'm just gonna say Conrad Vernon. All right, I like it. I like that for number three. Now, our number ones and twos, I'm very, I'm I'm convinced we've got the same. I'm just not sure which order they're gonna come out is. So um, this might be one of these things where we just have to say, screw it, our episode might be a bit shorter. And we'll just talk about both of them together. Um, my number two is uh, Captain David Anderson. Oh! My number one. He's your number one. I wasn't sure which order you had this one and my number one as, and I'm going to assume it was the other way around. I love Captain David Anderson. He's like my favorite person. <laughs> All right. Well, we can talk about him together. I'm not taking him away. I know. From I was you. just, I was just crying out of um, love for him. Yeah. Captain David Edward Anderson is a human <laughs> war hero and probably my favorite. Uh, one of my favorite. Not. Not Your my favorite captain spot. on the Citadel? My favorite captain on the Citadel. And he really is. He is the original captain of the Normandy before you kind of take over as commander. But he... Uh, there's just something about David Anderson. I don't know whether it's just because he's voiced by Keith David. Uh, mm. It could just be that. But there's just something about him. He's very similar to what you were saying about Hackett. He is probably one of the nicest ones you come across. He's like the most loyal to you um he is always kind of there like once you're kind of being presented and pushed forward as the specter um he is with Hackett 100 he's like yes go for it like i don't want you to stay under me as my underling like i feel like it's quite easy to write he's like no go go do the things i'm gonna put you you know when the council wants to put you in charge of the initial investigations he's like yeah go for it man like you yeah go off and do it and i think that's he's just lovely you know and he remains your like best buddy war hero i think throughout the entire series um he starts off kind of on that good foot and then he just never seems to go wrong like there's a there's a little bit of a an odd feeling in number two when you're not working for the alliance anymore but he's still not like he's not mean to you or like anything like no. that really right he just can't he's one of these people who i feel like he's very very professional and knows exactly how to do his job in a really nice way even though he obviously has such a soft spot for shepherd but he just kind of like doesn't give you as many details as maybe he does in the first one and like advice yeah. and help i think but he's still there and he's still being you know a boss um and i think by number two depending on your choices he can be He's promoted one way or the other. I think it's Admiral or he's in the council, right? Yeah, so I think you get an option. Up. Yeah. Because mm. there's also Adina. And I think what, what I really... Adina. I know, right. But what I really liked about that particular choice that you make at the end of that one for, for him is that he he is so... 
geared towards being in the military like that's his kind of vibe and being the captain and being admiral is way more his speed than any politics kind of counseling things and i think he actually says like i don't really think you should put me as the counselor i think he kind mm. of tries to steer you the other way uh i think i still gave him the counsel anyway because i was like no i like you you're my favorite i want you to be in charge yeah but i i you he has that thing written in him where he does make that a difficult choice for you which i find really interesting um yeah. But yeah, I just just the whole way through, he's just always your ride or die, uh, and it's great. He's he's such a dad. Yes. I feel like <laughs> he's he, Mass Effect dad. Yeah, like I don't think I read that. I don't think he ever had any children of his own, and so I think like he really treats you as like a bit of a surrogate son such daughter. And there's something about him that's similar to Hackett, where like you know when you like come across him. Um, like say if you're at the Citadel or something and you come across him and it's like such a comforting like friendly face mm. and again you know he's got your back even if he's a bit like alright I don't approve of what you're doing son or daughter but I'm here <laughs> for you either way like it's it's like yeah as you said ride or die yeah I actually have the words space dad written down Aww. on my notes because that's exactly like exactly how I felt about him he is that like I'm going to be disappointed if you do the wrong thing but I will still be here and i think like you said you just you can just go to the citadel and he just gives you advice you know it's just like what what am i doing here man and he's like it's okay i got you yeah i got and you. it's the fact that he basically also like stepped down and handed you the torch um yeah it, it was like such a noble thing to do and he was he wasn't like he's not like udina like he's not a knob about it like he's just he's just kind i i think that's one of the nice things about it. And again, about saying how the Mass Effect world is, it just feels so real to have characters like this. Like, you know, he's just someone that just talks to you and gives you some advice. Like, it's not really like he, he does that much anymore, but it's just, it's having those those friends that aren't necessarily gonna help you in battle, but like are gonna help you through other things. It just makes it feel so much more realistic. Yeah, definitely. And like, when you think, when I, think back about all the different like cutscenes of all the big events and stuff that you go through like he's in quite a lot of them like he's with mm. you and i think he he really has that like i've got your back thing even though i'm not in your squad like yeah constantly like like you said pushing you into the limelight as well like he'll do anything just to get you to where you need to be it's very much like service over everything with him um yeah like he, like you said, he doesn't care that it's not him. He just wants to get it done, and he's got that noble, yeah, he's not a noble film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not a narc like Udina. Stupid Udina, I hate that guy. <laughs> Such a narc. Um, oh. Anyway, yeah, um, like, yeah. Any more that you wanted to talk about with uh, Captain? Not really. Um, just that I love him and I love Keith David. Yeah. And if you don't know who Keith, da Keith David is, everyone, like just just Google him and you'll see he's a wonderful human. Yeah. Watch I've got some facts though, but I want you to do your facts first. Okay. Um, so I've only got a couple of them. Um, one is which is um, apparently, according to the final hours of Mass Effect 3, Captain Anderson was originally conceptualized. Uh, con conceptualized. Uh, I can't say the word. <laughs> conceptualized that's the word i'm looking for thank you i'm just gonna let you say it uh, as the hero of mass effect as like the main yeah, hero i saw that as well and I, f I thought that was weird i found that weird i'm glad they changed it but it's kind yeah. of you can kind of see now why he's maybe around a lot of the time and he's there 
being your like shadow your space dad to push you into it i mean it's quite poignant in some ways isn't it because mm. it's a little bit it symbolizes kind of what actually happened which was you know he was he was the captain and then you were no sorry the commander or whatever and then you like took the ship and then you yeah you kind of took its place so in some ways that's actually very poignant well that's a good point oh thanks made my fact super poignant for me <laughs> no um, and my other one i feel like you would enjoy this one was during the mocap session for the scene where anderson punches udina the uh cinematic lead Sh- shane wilhan suited up as anderson like playing anderson accidentally clocked the udina a- actor in the actual jaw i had that fact as well and i very much enjoyed it i just like that that actually happened because we always hate odina even if you're just slightly dressed as odina you gotta you gotta get a punch in the face yeah exactly um i didn't really have any facts apart from the ones we've mentioned apparently he was born in london back in the day but he has no british accent which is true but yeah yeah. chakwa has a british accent and certain other people have British accents. So it's weird. I don't know how the accents work in the game, to be honest, in regards to where they're from, because... Oh, actually, um, no, I was, I was trying to think, because I know, I know Caden was born in Canada, and he has a probably a accent similar. But yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe he lost his accent. Yeah, but then it's Keith David. Them. So yeah. maybe they were like, fuck it, as long as we get Keith David, we don't care what accent you speak. Yeah, maybe your one voice of things, is like butter. <laughs> they wrote it in the law. And they were like, this is this is the law, this is the character. And then they were like, but we got Keith David to play. And we were like, screw it. I don't care. It doesn't fit. Just like, just yeah. put him in there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. uh, amazing. Um, yeah. So that's that's Captain David Anderson. So I don't know. Oh, you do have a number two. So I know you're going to steal my number one now. Was your number one? Oh! Jeff Joker Moreau. Yeah. He was. Yeah. Yeah, so he's my number two. So we basically we've inverted our one and two, which is hilarious. <laughs> but I, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I weirdly didn't expect to cross over so much for some reason. I, I don't know why. I mean, of course, Joker had to be in there. Also, do you like how I spoiled the fact that I had Joker earlier, where I was like, who we're going to mention later? Oops. Oh yeah, I, I just you were like, oh, it's fine. We know we're going to talk about Joker, but I tried to like pass off by being like, because you know job. he's a he's the pilot of the ship, so he's probably going to get mentioned, but he's this... not in my top five. Maybe, obviously. maybe someone's in there. Who knows what will happen? That was that was a silly mistake <laughs> by me. But anyway, Flight Lieutenant Jeff Joker Moreau um, is the pilot of the SSB Normandy. He has moderate to severe case of Rolex syndrome, which basically causes like extreme bitter bone, bitter. I don't think they're bitter. I haven't tried them. Um, <laughs> Taste brittleness. Brittleness. He was born with severe fractures to his legs, and even with modern medicine, he finds walking nearly impossible. So he relies on crutches and leg braces and stuff. But he's a pilot, so it's okay. He doesn't need to move around much. Um, he apparently got his nickname from the flight school instructor due to the fact that he rarely smiled, which is odd. Um, but generally, I, I always thought he was called Joker because he was kind of like a wise cracker. Yeah. Um, he made a lot of jokes and was quite sarcastic. But he he's basically the voice of the Normandy while Shepard is ashore. Um, and he's a very pivotal part of the entire game. Like he's the pilot at the end of the day. And as we said, like the Mass Effect have created this this world, this ship that feels very alive, and the people on it feel very alive. And um and he's someone who is incredibly lovable, in my opinion, although he can be a little bit hard on the outside. He he's very funny, and he he too was Shakwa. I'm just going with that, by the way. Um, join Cerberus at the same time as you do. And uh, 
as I mentioned earlier, with her like going there for him. And so again, he's somebody that is incredibly loyal towards you and you just know that he will like, you know, always believe you and he'll know that you're, whatever you're doing is probably right in some way or another. Um, which is really, really nice. And and I just, I remember when I when I first came across Joker, when I first played the game, and I just I just loved him from the inside. And it's not just because he's played by Seth Green, despite the fact that I do love Seth Green. He just plays him so well. And he's just, I don't know what it is. He's just got such an interesting character, such an interesting backstory with like, he's, he's basically having like a disability and an ailment. It just doesn't stop him. And, no. you know, he's still, he's so talented in, in his like ship flying skills and everything like that. And, and you know, you barely really remember remember the fact that he's got those issues until maybe something sort of happens and a couple of things go on. But you know, he's 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 amazing in his own right, and I just think that he's just a very a very cool character. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I had him as my number one, so I obviously think he's a he's mm -hmm. a great character. He's your space mate. Yes, yeah. I just I really enjoyed that, and I think like we were kind of saying throughout this whole list, they do such a good job at making them like feel like real characters and actually worth something to talk to every time mm -hmm. even though there is no direct like game connection like gameplay kind of connection i mean um or romantic connection there and i think you become really invested in his story uh one of my favorite things about him is the him and Edie yes. stuff and it's one of my favorite things because it kind of spans across what two games and i don't think i've ever been so invested in like a in technically like an npc's story before these guys excuse the excuse the pun but you ship it you know you just ship it you totally ship it <laughs> and yeah and i think it's because it starts off in not where you would expect it to end up in yeah, I mean, he, he hates computer. her. Yeah. He hates her to begin with, and it's hilarious to watch. I mean, I, I think this was also mentioned, I don't think it was in a normal episode, but in one of our patrons, where I think maybe I picked my, my favourite game romances. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know, guys. I don't, I've don't. i lost count of what we've done and where we did it. But, yeah, it's fair. Um, favourite romance of, like, Joker and Edie, of just the fact that they... It, it just, yeah, it just spans over two games, and it's hilarious, but adorable, and you just want him to be happy and you know spoiler alert you know they can end up together and it's just beautiful yeah and you're so so wishing for it to happen at that point because you can kind of you almost help orchestrate it as well like mm -hmm. if there's some stuff going on you can kind of push them together and stuff like that or like not really pay much attention to it but it's just so yeah. investing it's the most adorable one as well like because you know joker as being this quite like even though he he makes a lot of jokes and stuff. He is also quite grumpy most of the time. And it's more of like a sarcastic joke element to him. Yeah. Um, and then he, you kind of see this thing with, with Edie and it just kind of changes that perspective. Again, it's that well-rounded feeling, right? Which I would like to point out to back up my pick from last episode. This is an example of how to make a very realistic, amazing world bethesda skyrim i'm looking at you <laughs> you know these npcs have so much personality i you know i every after every mission after everything i'd ever do in in mass effect i'd be running to yeah. all the npcs like i'd be running to the the cockpit to go see joker see what he has to say about the mission see you know 
and it's such it's such uh it's so telling isn't it of like the world that they've created the fact that you want to go and chat to someone multiple times just to hear their opinion on it and unfortunately a lot of the time i was faced with the same dialogue over and over again because i haven't done anything momentous enough to move on to the next dialogue um <laughs> but i never wanted to miss it this is the thing with mass effect for me i never ever wanted to miss out on any mm-hmm. piece of dialogue ever no exactly the same and i think it's one of the only games where i'm like actually when i think about the gameplay of mass effect i i'm not that blown away i'm like yeah it's fine you know it, it's fine it's it's good fun but it's fine but the thing that makes it incredible is just that that drive to i need to go and talk to all of my shipmates right now because i need to know how they feel about the stuff that just went down <laughs> yeah. like i found this space hamster and we all need to know about it on the ship <laughs> um and it's yeah like you said it's just a weird way of doing it and i think it's like it's that example of even though there are a lot of uh, NPC characters and stuff when you go to the Citadel and things like that like yes okay maybe they don't have as much personality but it's like you don't really need it you need them to be slight some slight driving force and some people to send you on missions and maybe they don't have as much going on but like if you have a, a slightly enlarged group that isn't just all your squad mates and people you have to make relationships for the game to progress and that kind of thing mm-hmm. It can feel like a lot of people and it feels like a really rich thing, even though actually when you really start counting characters that aren't, you know, playable, it's more like three or four. Yeah. But it feels like a lot at that point. It does. It does. Um, Sorry, I'll, I'll go on to the facts quickly because I'm sure that we have, we probably can just, we can just talk more about general Mass Effect stuff. But yeah. um, so my facts for Joker was that... Um, supposedly some other characters in the Mass Effect series obviously bear a resemblance to the actor that provided the voice. However, Casey Hudson confirmed that Joker's face was modeled from someone other than Seth Green, despite the fact that I do think that he does look a little bit like Seth Green. Yeah, they said, like, they kind of half confirmed, like, yes, it looks like Seth Green, but we didn't model it on Seth's face. It just kind of is like a happy accident, maybe. I found a lot of facts referencing a lot of like media stuff, like a lot of Easter eggs for Joker. I didn't really find that with anyone else, um, which is very, very cool because obviously Joker is kind of one of those people that you can see those kind of, um, I don't know how to confirm it, like almost like media reference jokes. So this one, this one will give like an example of what I mean. kind of stuff. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, these are the um, facts I got. Uh, apparently during one of the conversations between Shepard and Joker, Joker's chair starts spinning erratically. And when he questions Edie, she states that the Joker insisted on manual control of his chair. This likely references a similar scene in Austin Powers, the shaggy sh- shag- the spy who shagged me, which also starred Seth Green, which I thought was quite cool. Um, and the only other one I've got, you might have different pop culture references, but this one, in his story told to a bartender in Mass Effect 3, Citadel, Joker shouts to Cerberus soldiers, you just landed on the island of Dr. Me, referencing the island of Dr. Moreau, which I thought was hilarious. That's a good one. I like that one. Did you have any? Uh, yeah, I've got a few more of them. So um, when or if Shepard's killed the Rachni Queen and the Breeder, um, in Mass Effect 3, Joker will reference the uh, film Aliens by saying, you want to nuke it from orbit? It's the only way to... Ah, uh, uh, forget it. It's probably fine. <laughs> Which I, I really enjoyed as well. Um, and then a, there is also one more that was around, uh, again, when Edie suggests taking control of the ship to escape the collectors joker tells her if you start singing daisy bell i'm done which is a reference to the uh how 9000 computer in 2001 yes. but say yeah see uh yeah there's a there's a bunch more like there was a whole giant list of them that he makes but it's very 
it's one very Joker and it's two very Seth Green, I think, kind of references yes. and getting that character. Because even though he looks similar, it does feel like it's just adorable Seth Green in that chair sometimes. Yeah, and I read a little bit earlier as well about like if he was allowed to kind of impromptu some scenes and apparently he was. Like generally he followed the script, but they said apparently sometimes like if you want to just sort of go off, you know, feel free, Yeah, which was cool. Um, And yeah, I know what you mean. It kind of gives a lot of that vibe. And a lot of the time because Joker is on like in your head, if that makes sense, like Mm. he's, he's talking to you from the ship. Um, I'm just going to say via walkie-talkie, it's quite cool to kind of get that humorous aspect where maybe you're on a serious mission and stuff like that and you kind of hear his narration. It almost kind of gives a little bit of a light-hearted aspect to it, which I think is very, very cool. And as, as you said, like he's a very jokey kind of guy and the pop culture references are perfect for his character. And it just, it just complements the whole thing so damn well. Yeah, exactly. I think you've nailed it there. Like he's just, yeah, he's my favorite character. Um, Because I don't think I've ever felt that connected to somebody who it's not a playable or romance option, I think. And what's going on with him. So, yeah. Nice. All right, then. Well, I don't really know where we go from here because we've both lost our number ones. We didn't actually do our number mentions, did we? Like, idiots. We didn't. I mean... Oh, yeah, technically, we we actually haven't got there. Yeah. Well, we can talk about them them now, I think. I've only got one because I already mentioned one of my honorable mentions. So my my other one was the Rachni Queen. (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to make me laugh, sorry. <laughs> a spider lady. The spider lady. I mean, she does talk, uh, so she's uh, pretty good. But um, honestly, I was like trying to go through people and I was like trying to remember actual characters that aren't real pivotal people. It was quite difficult. Um, I've, I've, yeah, I've, I've got a couple. Um, I've actually just remembered one that I can't even remember the name of, so you might be able to help me. Um, but I will talk about some of the other ones I've got, but very, very briefly, because they were more just people that I've come across and I was like, yeah, I like them. Um, One of them is Steve Cortez, who I think is on the ship in Mass Effect 3. Yes, I think I'm He was a really sweet guy and I was sad I couldn't romance him, but it's fine because I think he was gay and he had a really sad backstory, I think, about his partner. Yeah, he did. I know you well now. I really loved him. He was a wonderful man. Um... Captain Bailey of C-Sec. I don't know if you remember, like whenever you go through C-Sec, there was a guy sat at a desk and he was a little, oh, he was always yeah. a little bit corrupt, but I kind of liked him, a bit rough yep. around the edges. Uh-huh, that was Captain you. Bailey, he was cool. Um, Arya Talok, who I kind of have a love-hate thing with, because I think she's a bit of a bitch, but um, she's also quite cool. She was the Asari of the like underground bar place, you know. Yeah, you know I'm. I mean? Yeah, she's like the leader of that, yeah, of, uh, what was it, Omega? Yes, that's it, Omega. Um, I've also got Kenneth Donnelly, who was, I think, Mass Effect 2. It was him and another lady that were on the Cerberus ship, and he was Scottish, and he was quite funny. I remember him. I, like I said, <laughs> I don't have much more other than I remember him being very funny and quite charming. Yeah. Um, and my other one, which is a really last-minute addition to my mentions, is Kolyat Krios, who was actually Thane's son in, in Mass oh, Effect Oh, yeah, I forgot him. And potentially appears in Mass Effect 2, I can't remember. And one of the reasons why I liked Kolyat was because you have to do a mission where you have to basically, I think, save him or do something. With yeah, Kolyat like a Yap rescue things. him, I think. Yeah, and when I say son, he was like old. He was like, well, not old. He was like, and he's probably in his like 20s. 
And one of the reasons why I loved Kolya was because as soon as I met Kolya, I was like, why can't I romance you? He had such a fucking amazing voice. And I really liked him. And I was like, I much prefer you to your dad, not going to lie to you. Want to run away with you you now. Could not run away with him, unfortunately. No. Um, But yeah, I really liked Kolya. I thought he was an interesting character. And I, uh, I, I did romance Thane in Mass Effect 2. At one point, I've done many playthroughs and I and I did do that. And I think it was cool, but there was something missing. And I found out that that was his son. <laughs> I, I want more Kolya, guys. You want more Kolya, I see, I see. To be fair, I'm the same. Like, I romanced uh, Thane the first time I played through the game. I was I was a bit, dis- I was left disappointed. Yeah. I know, it was before I discovered Garrus. And now, and now that's all I'll do. But, you know. Um... So the person that I've just remembered, I'm currently just just finding her here. Um, you'll have to just give me a moment. <laughs> Feel free to talk. Um, well, I'm trying to think. So are we going to do, are we going to try and just pull a number one out? Or are we just going to say like, just talk oh, about I mean, the Mass you're, Effect? You're for, welcome for a bit. to try and pull a number one out or we can just talk about it. I think we should just, should we just talk about Mass Effect in general? Because, yeah. I mean, but I can't pick anybody, like, out of all of this thing. You're just going to end up reminiscing about random people and the space cow that we're going to meet. You know okay, what I well, mean? Okay, well, before we, we end the random people, um, can I talk about the girl that I wanted to uh, yes. put in my mentions? Please go um, ahead. This was somebody who I, I half found annoying, but then I almost, I also romanced her because I um I, d- I did like her and I've sort of, I think she's grown on me over the time. Um, and that's Samantha Trainer. Oh, was she the, her? was she the, anybody she to loves, do? She loves chess. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm yeah, with I you. think I had a little bit of an affair with her, um, but I liked her. I liked yeah. her a lot partly found her annoying and then ended up liking her so it's all good yeah that's fine actually you kind of reminded me a little bit in number like i know we're not really talking about the 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 game that would not be named but there's a couple <laughs> characters in there that were like romance options but weren't squad members i'm pretty sure because you could yeah. have gil for if you were a male who was actually quite fun to talk to uh as a female um yeah. and there was also uh suvi anwar for women i think she went both ways actually suvi and she was like scottish i want to say i want to say she had a scottish accent which was lovely um and she was kind of like the science officer and she just kind of sat around on the ship she never really did much with you uh she never came out with you but she was kind of and i enjoyed speaking to her i didn't have like much of a connection with her but she was one of those ones i did it was kind of that starting to get that feeling back of there are people on the ship around mm-hmm. that you can talk to. I think I just didn't like the fact that I could romance them. I always just wanted them to be just like, just my best mate. You know, that was that kind of area. I mean, you don't have bit. to shag them. No, but you know what I mean? Like it goes that way. It's not like a, I don't know. It's nice when there's never an option. Yeah. I mean, I like the option. I'm fine. <laughs> Clearly it's, I like it's, my friends it's without nice, these options. It's nice to be able to, you know, shag them if you want to shag them. <laughs> I think that's a rule of life, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Consenting adults. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can't we can't talk about Mass Effect without shagging, can we, really? It's true. It's true. I mean, on this playthrough that you're going to go do now. I mean, you know who I'm picking. I'm go. You know it's Caden till I die. Like, I mean, I might... I might... Number two... But number two, I might... Um, 
Number two, obviously, I get a bit of free time, don't I? Yeah, because he's a dick. So I might change that up a little bit and go somewhere a little bit different. Um, unfortunately, I can't have <laughs> go Miranda. somewhere exotic. I can't have Miranda, which is something I've always complained about <laughs> in every episode um, where that she's mentioned that I'm not allowed to, to have Miranda as a female shepherd, yeah. which is a fucking travesty. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. I'm excited. I'm excited to see who you who you pick as your your waiting, your in between. Probably won't be Thane. Um, no, that's fair. Once you've done Thane once, it's fine. You don't need to go back. <laughs> once is enough. Who? I mean, I'm assuming that when you play it, you'll go the same Garrus way. Yeah, because I have that. I have that same thing with the first game. So I can't pick Garrus at the start because he's not an option. So mm. for the first game. I get the options of, uh, I get the options of basically Caden or Liara. Okay. I think, um, I think probably Liara because I've just been so, so burnt by Caden before. That's I will fair. not make that mistake again. <laughs> Never got over it. <laughs> no. And then she leaves in number two, so it feels less weird. So it feels like you know she's not part of the crew anymore. She's out. I like thing. that we I like that we just automatically know that Ashley is gonna die because she's racist. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> Ashley's never even a slight glimmer in the game. Like I just don't think that Ashley exists in my game most of the time. It's because she's a massive racist. She hates aliens. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, you can't be in my game if you hate hey, aliens. You cannot be on this ship. I mean, literally, I'm put her in the airlock. <laughs> This is just my shepherd, super thirsty for aliens. And she's just like, oh no. And I'm like, this is not the ship for you, my love. <laughs> Please leave. Get into the airlock and remove yourself. <laughs> anyway. Oh, um, well, I guess this kind of concludes our, our Mass Effect. I think we're, like, we're always going to end on a bit of a weird, we're just going to yeah, talk about we Mass Effect characters. We're very excited to play the remakes, as you can tell. Nikki will literally leave me in five minutes and go play it. I will. I'm very I think for excited. The rest of the evening. I'm gonna go wish that I had it downloading. Is what I'm gonna go do. That's all right. Yeah. You can think about who you're going to romance. Well, we know it's gonna be Liara, but you can you can still think about it. You can look yeah. forward to meeting Garrus again. Oh, and when I do in HD, it's gonna be a beautiful time. Yeah. I wonder if the voice gets any better in HD. It this might is, well do. These are the questions I'm going to be asking myself this evening. Do we know if they've added any extra voice lines for things? Because I was wondering that. I don't think so. I don't think they've added anything like that. I feel like they would have just enhanced it. Hmm. You know? But well, we maybe. Can we can, I'll we can keep hope. my fingers crossed for more. Yeah. Brown and Keenan. But anyway... If you if you love Mass Effect and you're here, we love you. If you don't actually, if you never played Mass Effect and you're still here, we love you even more because what the hell have you just sat and sat through? Yeah, this is um, a lot. We appreciate you. Um, and if you haven't played it, what are you fucking doing? Go and get it. Yeah, it's out now. Go and get it. One of the times we're gonna be like, it's out now. Go and buy it. We're Go. not even being paid to say these things. Go get your space dad, your space oh. doctor, and your space banging on. You're space banging, exactly. That's a yeah. wonderful way to end this episode. <laughs> it's always going to end this way. Cool. All right. Well, if you want to see our stuff, you can always go to gametour5.com. And if you want to join our Discord, where we often try and talk a lot about our top fives with other people, we're talking about your top fives, what you would have. Who are your top five characters from Mass Effect that can't be in your squad? Let us know. Um, you can do that off of gametour5.com. It's all on there for your lovely eyeballs. 
Yeah, all the links. And if you really want to be super kind, um, we really always appreciate any reviews that we get. And we will read them and be enthralled that somebody left it. It's lovely. Yeah, we much appreciate it. Anyway, Nikki out.